Welcome to the City of Refuge podcast, where our mission is to equip a diverse community of Christ followers to make him known. Good morning, church. My name is Ellen Freemian. I'm I'm on the the preaching team here at City of Refuge, and I'm excited to bring the word of God to you today. Would you bow with me in prayer? Our gracious and heavenly Father, we confess that oftentimes we fall so short of being the hands and the feet of Jesus, who we are called to be in this world. Lord, would you give us clean hands now? Would you give us pure hearts so that we might see you and that others around us might see you through us? I pray that as we enter into your word today, that it would be sweeter than honey and revive our weary souls, that we would rejoice in your presence today as you call us yet out again. In Jesus' name, amen. So our church vision statement for this year has been to serve the Lord in our places of calling and giftedness. And in our first sermon series in the book of Mark, we focused on the first part of this statement, serving the Lord. In Mark, we followed Jesus through his ministry to better understand who the Lord is, whom we serve, and how to serve in his kingdom, following Jesus' examples and his teaching. And then last week, Brandon talked about Acts 4, where we saw how the early church followed Jesus' examples and teachings. It says there that they were devoted to the apostles' teaching, those who had followed Jesus around, directly hearing from him and seeing his examples. They were devoted to prayer, asking for the Lord's presence and guidance as they, as they sent out the gospel message. And they were also devoted to fellowship, which meant that they built one another up in the community. So now our next sermon series, which we're kicking off today, is going to focus on the calling aspect of our church vision statement. If you see this picture here, it's of Jesus as our shepherd. And John 10, 3 through 4 says that our good shepherd calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And And he has brought out his own. He goes before them and his sheep follow them because they know his voice. So this parable of Jesus as our shepherd reminds us that calling is a central part of our relationship with God and how we serve in his kingdom. And so in this series, we're going to talk about how God calls us and what it means to be called by God. And you can see our various topics there. Now, before you have some anxiety saying, oh gosh, here it comes, how am I going to figure out how God is calling me? or you get out your piece of paper to make a checklist of of how you can be sure that you are doing exactly what God called you to do. Or if maybe you're saying, you know, that calling thing is kind of mysterious for me, not sure it applies, what time's lunch? Um, Let's take a step back and ask God's word in the Bible what this calling really is and how God calls us and what it means for our lives. So next slide, please. So here are some pictures of stories from the Bible about God's calling. So maybe I can get the kids to help me out. Hopefully they're not too small, you can see. Do you see any familiar characters up there, kids? You can call them out if you know the names of the characters. 
Yeah, there's Moses. The second one's the disciples, the fishermen. The third one might be a little obscure, but this is a beautiful depiction of the calling of Paul. I loved it. Um, the next one is Queen Esther. Then little boy Samuel. And finally, Abraham and Sarah. So sometimes when we think about these stories, we can focus too much on the epicness of it, the heroicness of it, and they can almost seem like fairy tales than things that actually happened in the Bible. Sometimes they can feel pretty distant from our own experience. But I encourage you to look at it again. Look at these stories and focus on the humanness of these people, and you will see that they look a whole lot like us. Think about Moses. He was a fugitive, a runaway, and he was called, though he was a stutterer, to go and talk to Pharaoh to lead his people out and to free them. Think about the disciples. They were from a small town. They were just a bunch of fishermen, and yet Jesus said, put down your nets. I'm going to make you fishers of men, and you're going to carry out the kingdom gospel to all of the world. Think about Paul. He was called himself a Pharisee among Pharisees. He had nothing to do with Gentiles. He was on his way to persecute some more Christians when he saw a bright light, stopped him dead in his tracks, and God said, now I'm going to have you take the gospel message to the very people that you despise. Or Esther, you know, she was an exiled woman, only was made queen because of her good looks. Yet in such a time as this, given her circumstances, she was called to advocate for her people and save them from death. Or maybe you think, I'm too young for all of that. Think about little boy Samuel, who was dedicated to God by his mother. And in the middle of the night, he heard and recognized God's voice calling to him. And he said, here I am, Lord, send me. Or maybe you think, man, I'm retired. That calling stuff is over. Before you think that... Abraham and Sarah were almost 100 years old. They were barren and called to be the founding parents of God's chosen people. So when you think about what these guys have in common, they were all imperfect. They felt ill-equipped. They had doubts, faced obstacles, and sometimes had times of disobedience. And yet, they were all called by God, who was sovereign, who provided, who guided, who forgave, He's the good shepherd and had a good purpose, which was for them to declare his glory. So I was thinking to myself, you know those recruiting websites, like Indeed or whatever, that promise to the one seeking employment, you know, this is going, this is going to be great, you're going to get matched with the job that's right for you, or it says to the employer seeking the right employee, this is the fastest way for you to hire. Well, what if God use that in order to call people. You would like break the algorithm, right? I mean, I can almost vision, envision these people calling God up and be like, um, I don't think this guy, like, did you read his CV? Like, this is not going to work out. Or like calling the, the employee and be like, you know, this is, this is too much. We've got a better job for you. But thank God that his calling is not based upon our CV nor our merit, but his own good will and purposes. So next slide for us, please. So just a point of definition, if you're a definition person, you don't have to read every little detail on here, but if you like details, this is for you. Um, we can think of our callings in scripture as big C callings, those things that we all, as the body of Christ, are called to, and little C callings. 
that may change over time or specific, unique ways that God has called us. The big C callings, for example, that we're going to talk about in this series are a call to salvation, our call to obey and be the holy people of God. The little C callings are more like what we're called to say or do or sometimes our vocation or how we should live within our community. And again, we're going to talk about these as our series goes on, but wanted you to think about those today. But for today, we're going to put those together. We're going to think about um, our God's calling on our lives as a whole. And we're going to talk about a working definition that I hope will guide us and give us a framework for how we think about God's calling. So as a working definition on the next slide, um, calling is to be summoned by God to join in his good purposes for the praise of his glory. And today we're going to work through this definition looking at 1 Peter 2.9 so that we can understand the characteristics of God's calling and better recognize it in our own lives. So 1 Peter 2.9 says, one verse, very heavy. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Now, 1 Peter was written by the Apostle Peter, probably in the mid-60s, and it was thought that he wrote this from Rome to the churches in Asia Minor, which is modern-day Turkey. So this letter would have been circulated through the churches, and the people in these churches would have been both Jew and, and Gentile in their ethnic origins. But they had one thing in common. They were all called by God to be the new church, to be Christians, and they faced persecution from Rome. So Paul uses this letter to remind them of their new identity in Christ, but also to encourage them in this very difficult time. And I hope that these words are also an encouragement as you think about your calling today. So we're going to focus on the last part of this verse first. God calls us out of darkness into his marvelous light. In other words, he summons us. Now raise your hand if you like to go check the mailbox. I know we check our electronic mailbox more. Oh, we still have, I see a lot of kids' hands. Yes. So sometimes kids like to check the mailbox more than grown-ups because for kids, sometimes you get like a birthday invitation or your favorite magazine, whereas sometimes grown-ups are like, oh gosh, there's another bill. Or for me, it's when the envelope says official jury summons. I hate that. And you know why that is such uh, like not the funnest mail you can get is that official jury summons means I have to change my schedule. I have to drop everything. Tell my boss I got to take off because I have to be at the courthouse at this time on this date. Right? So if we think about God's calling, it should have that impact in our lives. It's more than a birthday party invitation where you're like, well, maybe I'll go if my, let me check my calendar. It's like, let me move my calendar so that I can be there, right? Paul puts it like this in Romans eleven twenty nine: for the gifts and the callings of God are irrevocable. They happen, they're gone, they're, call, they're gone out to do its work and it's not going to return to the Lord void, as it says in Isaiah. So you can think of these two guys here, Moses and Paul. And you're like, okay, I understand why Paul wrote that. Irrevocable. Burning bush? Got it. Bright light with Jesus' voice? Got it. 
Now, we are unlikely to receive God's calling like this from a burning bush or a bright light with Jesus' voice. But oftentimes, God gives us this summons through creating what Pastor Rufus Smith used to call divine agitation, a persistent sense that there is something that God is calling you to do or to be. This divine agitation may come from a conversation with a friend, with a mentor, may come through our reading of scripture, through our prayer, sometimes for some visions and dreams, Maybe the way that God has gifted you and you have this urge to use that gift for his glory or an opportunity to meet a need. It could be a combination of these things. But when we have this divine agitation, we should respond as young Samuel did and say, here I am, Lord, send me. We're going to later talk about how to discern these various callings because there is an opportunity for discernment, especially for those little C callings. But I encourage you today, if for the first time you are feeling that tug, that divine agitation on your heart to follow Jesus, say yes, and we'll figure out the details later. (laughs) All right, so not only is God's calling in our life irrevocable, it's transformative. God has to transform our hearts. Now, hearts is a word we use a lot in the church. We like to talk about heart. But I thought of a good definition for this. The heart is the part of us that governs our choices, governs our desires, governs what we love, and governs who we are, right? It's like our GPS. And so what Peter says here is that God's call was going to transform our GPS, our heart. God is going to call us out of darkness and move us into his marvelous light. In other words, my heart's GPS is routed towards darkness by default. That's where I'm going. But God, in his mercy and in his calling, is going to take my heart and reroute it so that I can walk into his light and his perfect will. And the only thing that makes that possible is Jesus Christ. Because Jesus Christ paid for that darkness of sin in our hearts. And in his death, he, he made death to darkness. And in his resurrection, he makes us a new creation. He does heart surgery to reroute our hearts towards light. Now, you see the picture here of this little guy with a pillow over his head. Sometimes when we first accept Jesus as Lord, we're really excited. We're like, man, my heart's rerouted. No longer kingdom of darkness. I'm in the kingdom of light. But when the Lord starts calling you to obey and be holy and do certain things that feel sort of unnatural, which they are. We sometimes are like this guy where we put our earbuds in, we're like, put the pillow overhead with the sheets and comforters, turn off the light, it's like, Lord, just leave me in the darkness, I just like, just need a break. And when we're like this, it's really hard to hear the voice of our good shepherd calling. So every day, I don't know about you, but certainly happens to me, God takes this, my heart, that's putting the covers over my head and has to rip them out and say, follow me. He has to reorient my heart towards him. And that is the daily bread that comes from the word of God. I got to fill my heart so it doesn't forget because it's pretty forgetful. Every day, God has to say, you know what? I rerouted your heart to the kingdom of light. Now walk in it as I am in the light. So not only is God summoning, rerouting, and reorienting our hearts. From this call, we are given a new identity and a new purpose, as it says in 1 Peter. 
chapter 2.9. You see, when I'm walking in darkness, who determines my identity? Me. And I don't know about you, but I do not like that. Because I realize that at first it feels like freedom, but actually it's emptiness and void. It's like a clean slate. And our culture is so aware of this. It's in our movies, it's in our books, the struggle to find our identity. We understand this. The world today understands this, and it causes a lot of anxiety for a lot of people. In darkness, I have to figure out what my own purpose is, find my own way, be my own GPS. But Peter says, no, let me tell you who you are when God reroutes your heart and you accept this new identity in him. He says, you are chosen. You are a particular people for God. We are not chosen because we had good merit or good C- a good CV, but because God had a purpose for us and because of Jesus and who Jesus makes me to be. Second, it says we are a priesthood. That's a weird term, huh? And the priesthood means that we are all worshipers. It doesn't matter what day it is, where you are, where you're going, that you should be a worshiper of God. You should declare his praises to him in thanksgiving and declare his praises out to the people that you interact with. We are a holy nation. It doesn't matter what your passport says. It doesn't matter who you say your citizenship is on this earth. We are all, every tribe and every tongue, called to live in one kingdom under a true King Jesus. And then finally, we are God's own, his possession and his special treasure. We were bought with the price, the blood of his own son. And now we are these precious children. We are not just citizens, but we're sons and daughters of the high king of heaven. And when Peter applies these words to Christians in general from every ethnic background, it's pretty profound because these were once words only for the Israelites from Exodus. And now he and the power and the transformation in his own heart is applying these to the whole church. And the next slide, I'll give you some examples about how God calls and reroutes, reorients our hearts and gives us a new identity. So think about Abraham. Abraham, he says, leave your people and I'm going to show you where to go and I'm going to give you a new name because I have chosen you to be the father of my people. Jesus walks up to a bunch of fishermen from a small town and says, leave your nets because I'm going to make you now fishers of men. I'm reorienting your life and giving you this new identity. All right, so next, now that we understand that we are new from this calling, God has reoriented our hearts, rerouted us, what are we actually joining in? We are joining in the good purposes for the praise of his glory. As 1 Peter 2 says, we are to declare the praises of him who has done this work of calling us out of darkness into his wonderful light. Now, declare doesn't just mean talk. It means to demonstrate. So it's not just talking, but it's our actions. So every day, no matter where you are, you should be declaring who God is and what his kingdom is like. When you create something, when you reconcile people, when you show that he is kind and gentle and forgiving, then you are showing the image of God. 
when you seek justice with humility, when you care for the poor, when you declare both grace and truth, that looks a lot like Jesus. You're declaring to the world who he is and what his kingdom looks like. But don't take credit for your own self, your own, your, this work for your own self. Dis ascribe greatness to the Lord. We are declaring his praises and not our own. He is the one who can only bring us out of darkness and put us into light. But we also declare an assurance that one day we will be with him for glory and that we know that, as it says in Romans, all things are working together for good for those who have been called by God according to his purpose. And we declare this with hope, knowing that we will be with him. So it may be different for each one of us where and how and what and what we are to say, but we all share in this new identity in Christ and this new purpose in him. So in conclusion, our good shepherd has called us. It's an essential part of our relationship with God. And when he calls us, remember, it's not just a birthday party invitation. It's more like a jury summons. He means business. His call is irrevocable. And if you have that divine agitation, please say to the Lord, here I am, send me, and go to seek what that calling and agitation is really meaning. Remember, as you go out, you might be really scared about what God has called or put on your heart to do. But remember, he has already done the work of calling you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And he continually and daily seeks to reroute and reorient your heart and remind you that you don't have to figure out your identity rumbling around in the dark. He's called you to the new identity in him that you are chosen, you are a worshiper, you are all part of his kingdom, not only as citizens of this kingdom of God, but as his sons and his daughters, because you are his own precious treasure. And what are you to do? You are to declare his praises. It doesn't matter if you're at home, you're at school, you're at work, you're in community, you're driving down the road and somebody just cut you off. It doesn't matter. You're supposed to declare forth the praises of God about who he is and what he has for hope for this world. Now, when we declare ourselves as the church, we actually are to remind ourselves that we are the called out ones. That's what eglasia, the Greek word of church, means. So every time you say church, I want you to think about this calling from our good shepherd. I wanted to end today with a blessing and prayer from Hebrews. And if you ever need to know what to pray or you need a blessing to speak, I encourage you to look at the New Testament epistles. There are some beautiful blessings and prayers that the various writers have for the people they're talking to. So I pray this for you all today. May the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with every good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him. Through Jesus Christ, to him be glory forever and ever. Amen.